You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church, Salt Lake City. For more information on our church, go to c3saltlakecity.com. Amen. How good is God? How good is God? God is a good God. Come with me in your Bibles. Uh, In fact, as you're turning there, I think we're going to read from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1, verse 9. We're, going to, we're in a God in Hollywood series. We're going to start a clip. But before we start a clip, let me just say how proud of your pastors, Pastor Vince and Pastor Becca, I am. You guys honestly have exceptional pastors and an amazing team. I mean, you know, uh, watching Lilo lead this morning. And, uh, and what, what a testimony Lilo is. I mean, Tonga played, uh, played uh, the All Blacks a week and a half ago and... Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty, was it? It really wasn't pretty. The Rugby World Cup's on at the moment. But I, gotta, I just love you, Lilo. What a beautiful spirit. What a be- You're a gift. You're a gift to us. We love you. We celebrate you. What a beautiful heart. And I honestly believe that God's hand is on you. And thank you for volunteering to say, I'm going to lead my city. And uh, you know the devil goes after our young people? Did you know that? The, the devil doesn't want teenagers in the church. Because he understands that we call them teenagers, but really the truth is they are between ages. They're between the age of they were a child, they're not yet an adult, they're in between. You need to understand that the devil always attacks the in-between. Most miscarriages happen between week 9 and week 11 when the child moves from the womb to the uterus, where there's, a, where there's a transition, that's where there's a falling out. Whenever there's a transition, that's where the enemy comes in. And he goes after our teenagers, and he's, he's, he's aggressive, offering them all kinds of vices and all kinds of sin and drugs and booze and alcohol and peer pressure rises. And at the same time, that their, 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 their bodies are going through biological and chemical changes. They're, they're no longer a child. They're going to be an adult and, and everything is changing and voices are breaking and you know, it's, it's just kind of like, whoa, you know, everything going on. And one minute you're talking like this and what the heck is just, and, and all this kind of stuff and it's awkward and it's difficult. And so the enemy comes in and most parents don't understand and, and or we try to mother, mother them like they were 10, but they're not 10 anymore. And they're like, mom, will you just back off? Dad, will you? Will you? And, and it's a difficult age. Thank God for my city. Thank God for a youth ministry that says to a young person that we're here for you and we're here with you. Amen. Amen. Well, anyway, your pastors, Pastor Vince and Becca this week had, uh, had such beautiful times of ministry and it's a dangerous thing when the pastor is always giving ministry but never being ministered to. It's a dangerous thing. And uh, we had Pastor Mike Connell, and he, we're going to get him here to Salt Lake at some point. But uh, he, is a, he is a powerful, powerful minister. So the title of my message today that you'll notice from the clip, in fact, I'll wait till you, after you've seen the clip, but it flows right in with the ministry of Mike Connell. So fix your eyes on the screen. Let's roll this clip, and then we'll get into this great word. While you're awake, 
dead people like in graves and coffins? Walking around like regular people. They don't see each other. They only see what they want to see. They don't know they're dead. How often do you see them? All right, a little bit freaky. Well, the title of this message is The Sixth Sense. The Sixth Sense. Uh, biology and science tell us that we have five predominant senses. Five is the number of grace in the Bible. You have five fingers, five toes, so you can walk, you can lay hold of things, uh, sight, smell, sound, touch, taste are the five. Five senses. But you will understand that there is actually a sixth sense, a sixth dimension, and it's the realm of the Spirit. It's the Spirit. So let me give you these scriptures. I think they're going to come up on the screen behind me. The first one is in Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9. It says, that what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. This, this verse is kind of echoed in various forms three times through the book of, the, of Ecclesiastes. Basically, it says, whatever is will be again, and whatever has been is going to repeat. So there's, a, there's a, a, a truth in the Scripture that history is on a repeat cycle. History is on a repeat cycle. Uh, two Harvard professors wrote a book about coming up about 20 years ago, um, called The Fourth Turning. Powerful book where these two professors just studied uh, about 5,700 years of human history and antiquity and found what they called the saculum, or about every 100 years, history keeps repeating. The only lesson that we learn from history is that us as humans don't learn from history. The only lessons that we learn from history is that we humans don't learn from history. We keep, re we keep repeat cycle. We keep making the same mistakes. We, we don't like war, and yet we end up in wars. We're in this place. The place that America is at and the place where the world is at, don't think this is the first time we've been there. We, we were there a hundred years. We, this continually happens, continually happens. It's kind of like a chessboard, a chess piece. Chess pieces, it's just that the play has changed, but the, the board stays the same. If you can imagine like a Shakespeare play, uh, it may be coming to town, and it's the same script, it's just different actors and actresses playing the various roles. So that's, that, that's just the first thing I've got to tell you. The second thing I, I need to tell you is that the Bible, the Bible is so beautiful because the Bible imprints in us or for us, it captures history. A lot of people will try and relegate the Bible to just being a book of history. And absolutely, the Bible captures history. But you better believe that the Bible is more than a book of, than just history. It is the inspired word of the living God. It is the inspired word of the living God. And what the, the beautiful thing about the Bible is you can begin to catch imprints of different, different people in the Bible and see the choices that they made and see the outcomes, see the consequences so you can say, whoa, I was just about to make those same stupid decisions. Man, I was about to go in the same direction. I was about to follow that same trajectory. I ain't going to end up there. You know what? I'm going to retract. I'm going to be more like and less, and, and you can begin to, to walk that out. Uh, the Bible says in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, says when his disciples, 
James and John saw this. What had happened, they came to a city, they were preaching, and, uh, and the, the, the people tried to drive Jesus out. They weren't ready because, you know, the gospel is going to cost you something. And so they went to, they asked Jesus and the disciples to leave. So James and John, they just think, hey, we want to impress Jesus. We've already asked him, can we sit one on the right hand on the left? We want to show Jesus that we feel like we can earn our status of sitting on the right and left in heaven. So they said, hey, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down and fry their keisters, you know, just like Elijah did. But Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of. The Son of Man didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. So watch this. These are the disciples, Jesus' posse. And he has to rebuke them saying, man, you don't know what spirit you're operating in. Right now, that that is not a right spirit. That is a wrong spirit. When David, in Psalm 51, writes after he's murdered, had Uriah murdered because he'd slept with Bathsheba, David, in his repentance, says, renew a right spirit within me, which means that you and I can operate in a wrong spirit. I'm telling you, you don't want to operate in a wrong spirit because a wrong spirit can't produce right results. Let me just say that again. A wrong spirit will never produce right results. That's why David says, produce a right spirit within me. Last scripture we're going to look at, Revelation chapter 2, 18 to 20. says, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, these things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, his feet like fine brass. I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless... I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. Now, let me just say this, that... Jezebel has been dead when John is writing this book of Revelation. She's been dead for over a thousand years. But he's saying, the Bible there is telling us that there is a spirit. So there was a person called Jezebel, but the spirit that she operated in has infected the church. You don't want to operate in the spirit of Jezebel. You don't want to operate in the spirit of Jezebel. Uh, So so being spirit-filled is essential. Being spirit-filled is essential. But can I tell you, just because you're spirit-filled doesn't mean you won't operate in a wrong spirit. What I found is, is that I need to be in the Word of God. The Word of God is the great discerner. The Word of God, the Bible, is the great discerner. It will expose to you the wrong spirit. You begin to see them. For example, one of, one of the, the things that I have continually found the devil try to pressure me in is to operate in a spirit of soul. You understand that Saul was the first king of Israel. He was the first king of Israel, and he had a problem. The problem was called Goliath. He was a nine-foot-nine, undefeated, undisputed, heavyweight champion of the world, Goliath. And every day for 40 days and 40 nights, this giant, Goliath, would, would come out and pipe off in the valley, Give me a man! And for 40 days. And nobody, the, all the Israelites were terrified because instead of the battle being fought army against army, there was a custom where each, each uh, nation or tribe would produce a champion. And the two champions would fight on behalf. And whichever champion won, the other one would be the servants. Well, nobody wanted to go up against Goliath. Everybody was afraid. He was nine feet, almost 10 feet tall. He was a giant. And, but David comes along. 
and he's just been anointed by Samuel. The Spirit of God is on David. And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he thinks he can defy the armies of the living God? And he says, I'll take him down. And Saul says to him, you can't take him down, you little runt. You're just a youth. And he's been a man of war from his youth. So David says, hey, 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 your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took one of the lambs from the flock, I went after the lion and I struck the lion and I killed it. And when the bear rose up against me after I struck it, I grabbed it by its beard and I smote it down and I killed the bear. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. I don't know too many teenagers that have killed lions and bears just quietly. And when Saul heard these words, and then David kept going, he says, let me tell you, the same God who delivered me from the paw of the lion, the same God who delivered me from the claws of the bear is the same God that will hand this Philistine over. The Bible says Saul was so, that he he literally trusted the entire fate of the nation to this 15-year-old young boy. And we all know the story. David goes out there with a rock and a sling, and bam, puts a rock in Goliath's head and then takes Goliath's own sword and cuts off his head and then starts chasing the Philistines as they're running and the entire army all of a sudden found their courage and the entire Israelite army ran after the Philistines and you know began a great slaughter and a great victory because of one young man and the Bible says that this was a day of rejoicing what a great day David solved Saul's biggest problem but as Saul's driving home he puts on the radio and the, the, and the new number one song on the radio today, written by the damsels of Israel. And the song lyrics go like this. Saul has slain his thousands. He's like, oh, thank you. Well, I kind of have. And then it goes, but David, his tens of thousands. Saul's like, wait, 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 what? What did they just say? You know, because it was the chorus, it kept singing over. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. So Saul gets all forlorn. He's like, they've only ascribed to me thousands. Into him, tens of thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed him suspiciously. The Bible says after that day, a distressing spirit came to Saul. He began to throw spears at David and began to try and hunt and kill David. David was anointed to be the next king. Saul could have gone down in history as a champion coach, as a champion father to David. He could have set David up for the next dynasty and gone down in history. Man, we want to be more like Saul, and this is how you raise up warriors, and this is what you do to giants. Instead, Saul decided, no, no, there's only going to be one name in the headlights, and it's mine. There's only going to be one person that graces this platform, and it's mine. If people are going to be singing praises, they're going to sing anybody else's praises. They're going to sing my praise. And it's amazing how the devil, I even had well-meaning pastors and well-meaning Christians you know, say to me, hey, you got all these campuses. You, you, you live stream, right, your sermons. I'm like, no. I don't live stream my sermons. You know, we raise up preachers. Why, 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 why would you raise up preachers? You're one of the best preachers because I'm not here to build the ministry on me. I'm here to raise up. Do you know when you read about David, David goes to the cave of Adullam, which we were there down there in Engedi. And in the cave of Adullam, the Bible says men came to him who were in debt, who were in despair, and who were discontented. They came to David in the caves of Adullam. 
Within 18 months, these men who came in debt, despair, and discontent came to debt. Within 18 months, these were the warriors. These were the men who became his mighty men, who could throw the spear with the right hand and with the left. These were men, men like Jashabim the Hachmanite, probably related to, to Chad here. Probably had a shocker red hair. The first Scotsman in the Bible. Whenever I read Hachmanite, I immediately think of a Scotsman. Don't you? I mean, Hachmanite, it's got to be Scottish. The Bible says that, that, that Joshua being the Hachmanite lifted up his spear against 300 men who he slew in one battle. Imagine that, there's you against 300. And they're here. Go get your friends. I don't have any. What, you're going to take those 300 on? Aye, me against you. Come at me. And he, he destroyed 300 men in one battle. He came to David 18 months ago. He was in debt, in despair and discontent. Now he's whooping. There's another guy called Eliezer, the son of Dodo. The Bible says all Israel fled and there was a field full of lentils or barley. They don't even know. They didn't even take time. Is it lentils or barley? They, they're just running from the enemy. Eliezer doesn't even check. Now, you know, who's going to def defend a field of lentils? You know, obviously if you're a vegan, but most people wouldn't, you know. But, but, but the Bible says, Bible says Eliezer, he's not, he's not thinking about what, what it is. He's thinking about the principle. I, I ain't given the devil one inch. I ain't given the devil not one. The devil is taking nothing. And he, the Bible says he positioned himself in the field of lentils, drew out his sword, and he took on an entire garrison of the Philistine army. And you killed my father, prepared to die. The Bible says that the Lord brought about a great victory through Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, so that at the end of the battle, his hand cleaved to the sword and they deprived the sword from his fingers. And the Lord brought about a great victory. This was a guy 18 months ago who was in debt, in despair and discontent. Can I just tell you, this is what C3 is all about. We're not about trying to appease and please men. We're not trying to create, you know, oh, let's, you know, water down the word. Let's, you know, oh, let's, make it a palatable religion. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to create an altar, trying to create a platform where God's power can rest, where He is glorified. One of my friends, one of my friends had somebody come up to him. He's a pastor of a church. And somebody came up to him after the service and said, I didn't like the worship. And, and, and my pastor was like, oh, I beg your pardon? I didn't like the worship. It was loud. You had electric guitars and the lights. I didn't like the worship. And my friend said, oh, I'm so sorry. We weren't worshiping you. It's actually not about you. It's the Bible says bring a sacrifice of praise. This may not be my, my preference. That's why it's called a sacrifice of praise. Your preference may be country and music. I can hear them church bells ringing, ringing. Up in the crowd, that whole choir singing, singing. It's all going to be all right. You know, that might be your preference. But when we come into the house of God, it's not about your preference. It's about Him. We bring a sacrifice of praise. Why? Because we, we want to say, hey, God, right now, we ain't thinking of ourselves. We're thinking of you, and we want you to come. We want an encounter with you. We want your presence more than anything else. Can somebody say amen? One of my other favorite mighty men of David. 
See, see, when you read about David, First Chronicles 11, it, it tells us these 400 mighty, mighty men came from the tribe of Benjamin, which was Saul's tribe. So watch this. So Saul, because he was threatened and jealous of a David rising up, threatened and jealous of somebody being better than him, not only did he lose David, but that spirit literally lowered the ceiling, created such a ceiling, such a, a spirit of diminishing over him that he hemorrhaged 400 men. The Bible says these men strengthened themselves with David to establish the kingdom in his hand according to the word of the Lord through the prophet Samuel. These were men in these were men who could have strengthened Saul's kingdom. These were men who could have established something great, a great legacy and a great dynasty for Saul. But because he operated in a miserly spirit where he had to be the only one in life. And it's amazing that I just stick it to the devil. You ain't ever going to get me. I'm going to be a David. I'm going to be ch- rejoicing. I'm going to be championing other people. It's not always, it's not going to be about me. That's why you won't find a JurgenMatesiusMinistries.com. Number one, because no one would find it. Because, I mean, that's a spelling test right there. <laughs> this morning I went to Starbucks and she's like, what's your name? I go, oh, dear God. Oh, dear God, your name? No, no, um, no. Uh, do you want my real one or the one that I just kind of use my fakie? She goes, oh, no, no, give me your real one. I'm like, Jurgen. She goes, burger? <laughs> anyway, and so, uh, but I've just made a decision that I understand that my job is to raise up warriors to see the to see listen to see what god is speaking to you to see what god is putting on the inside of you this is this is not a church where hey look at us this is a church where hey look to jesus can i tell you one of the most dangerous things in church is hey look at us you talk to most people who left church what happened is i left church cuz you know the pastor i left church cuz the choir director it's always, well, what were your eyes doing? The Bible says fixing our eyes on Jesus. There's only one perfect human. We did crucify him, so just let me just explain that. Little caveat. Uh, but there was only one perfect human, Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. He's the author and the finisher. As soon as you lower your eyes and look at the pastor or look at the quiet director or look at the connect group, you know, you've, you've missed it. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the only one who will never let you down. Come on, somebody say amen. Man will always let you down. Jesus won't let you down. So, so let me just tell you what God wants to do is he wants to develop the giftings. Of, that's why we have connect, develop, empower. Because you'll find at this church, we, we're not after pew warmers. We're not after spectators on a Sunday. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Get ready. You better get your helmet ready and your padding and your gear. Because get ready, get ready, get ready. Kansas is going bye-bye. You're about to step into a brand new red pill, blue pill. Get ready. You're about to go on a brand new journey. You're about to discover what God has for you. You're not here. Here by accident, you are not junk. You were created to be significant. God has giftings and wirings and callings. There are things that only you can do. And you want to get filled with the right spirit. You want to get filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to immerse yourself in the Word of God and let God develop the great gifts and calls in your life. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right. Oh, dear Jesus. All right. Uh, I meant to give you two more scriptures. Let me just quickly read them. Then we're going to go into point one in the few minutes we have left. Dear Jesus. I told you, I told you. So uh, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12 writes, he says, Now we have received not the spirit of this world. We have received not the spirit of this world. 
but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So that tells me that there's a spirit of this world. Don't, don't receive the spirit of this world. Reject the spirit of this world. Ephesians 2 says, And you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So the Bible teaches us the spirit of this world. When you come into this church, guess, guess what? You're on a collision course where all of a sudden you, you may find that the spirit you've been operating, the spirit that kind of sets your value system, Yesterday I sat on the plane. Normally God is really kind to me on planes because I spend all my time with people, pastoring and preaching and discipling and leading. Normally my, 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 my plane time, he kind of lets me have it. Not yesterday, not yesterday. The guy next to me began talking before the plane had even moved away from, and I'm like, oh dear Jesus, this is going to be, and I'm like, God, can I just put my headphones on? Can I? And he's like, no ministry time. I'm like, oh dear. So for, for two hours, this guy's just talking about, yeah, and I'm, and, and it was, it was, it was interesting. <laughs> but I began to realize that he had accomplished this. He worked right now for the Department of Defense. He had a big home. He had, he told me he had 70 pairs of sneakers because he likes sneakers. He had all of this kind of stuff. He grew up with a single mom and poverty and broken, but now he's got wealth and he's got all these cars and he drives these high-end luxury cars and all this kind of stuff. And as he began to talk and brag about his female conquests and everything else, I just said, yeah, but you're empty. And he's like, yeah, what is it? And I said, because the hole that's in you is an eternal hole and you can't fill it with temporal things. There's, there's no, not enough yachts. There's not enough houses. There's not enough fame. There's not enough success. There's not enough sex. There's not enough booze. There's not enough, there's not enough physical things. It's a spiritual hole. It's an eternal hole. And, uh, and it was just a powerful, powerful time. Can I just tell you, you're going to find that there's a spirit of this world that has set your, your value system. As you walk into this house, can I tell you, don't be afraid to reject that. Don't be afraid to let that go and embrace the Word of God. Let God turn your world upside down. When I met Jesus Christ, I bet, uh, I'm telling you, I knew the first challenge was to make Him Lord. But when I looked at my life, everything the Spirit of this world gave me left me empty and left a trail of mess. I used this one, I used that one, I used it, and all I left was a trail of mess, and I still wasn't any fulfilled. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to go all out for Jesus Christ. I'm going to let go of the old. I'm going to lay hold of the new. I don't want the Spirit of this world. I want the Spirit that comes from heaven. I want the Spirit of God. And as the Spirit of God filled me, everything began to, to be fulfilled, and, and then He began to awaken. He he began to awaken and arouse the possibility that maybe I wasn't in an accident despite my dad telling me I was, that maybe that God had a plan for my life, that maybe my life is meant to be significant. You'll find that there's an awakening that'll happen. Somebody say amen. So say all of that to get to our last two minutes to tell you point number one. Point number one, this is a spirit you don't want to have operating in your life, and it's the spirit of Cain. The spirit of Cain. The first murder in the Bible was when Cain murdered Abel. The reason he murdered Abel was both of them had come to the age where they were both young adults, they were twins. Cain was the firstborn, Abel was the youngest. 
and they both presented an offering to God. Cain, in his arrogance, brought some of the fruit of the ground. The Bible says he brought some of the fruit of the ground, and he offered it to God. Genesis 3, God cursed the ground, but Cain, in his arrogance, says, I know you cursed the ground, but my human effort, I believe that my works can overcome what you have cursed. Can I just tell you, no human being with their effort can earn heaven. I know that this is a Mormon stronghold, and the great lie of Mormonism is that you can do enough things, that you can, you can go to church enough, or you can go on missionary, that you can somehow earn. If one person could earn their way to heaven, Jesus Christ would not have needed to be crucified. But because nobody can produce the righteousness to make it into heaven of their own righteousness, Jesus Christ had to come and be crucified on the cross. That's the only way we're getting to heaven. But Cain, with his arrogance, says, you know, here, I have overcome what you have cursed. And God says, these are not the droids we're looking for. Abel, Abel comes, and he brings an offering. But the Bible says he brings a lamb, the firstborn from his flock, and he sacrifices the lamb. He didn't make the lamb. He didn't build the lamb. And he knew that something innocent, his blood had to be shed so that he could attain right. And the Bible says, and God accepted Abel but rejected Cain. It's really interesting because Cain lures Abel out into the field. God comes to Cain and says, man, why, why, why are you all angry? Why, why are you upset? If you do what is right, will you not also be accepted? Just because I said... Don't give me leftovers. See, if you say, well, you know what? I'm going to give God leftovers. God, God, is, God is, he's got a good, healthy self-esteem. Because some people read that and they go, I, I can't believe God. He should just be happy with anything we give him. And God's like, no, no, no. Actually, I'm God. I don't need what you bring. It's not actually what I need. It's what you, you need to understand. If you give me your leftovers, you're going to find you've got nothing left over. If you give me your leftovers, it's not going to go, well, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Put God first and all these things will be added. If, you, if, if, if God is the last choice in your choice or the last voice in your choosing of a spouse, you're going to have a lot of t problems in your marriage. If God is the last voice in your finances, you're always going to struggle financially. But if you put God first, that's what he's trying to teach Cain. But Cain, instead of doing what's right, instead lures Abel out into a field and smites him and kills him. This is a prophetic picture that Cain acquired would murder Abel. Abel comes from two Hebrew roots, Ab, which is father, El, which is God. That the sons of Cain, out of envy, will murder the father God who brings the lamb for the sacrifice. That's why Jesus ends up being crucified. So a spirit of Cain, is a, it's a spirit of envy. It envies those with blessing. And rather than repenting of dead works and repenting of sin and repenting and doing what's right, it's just easier to attack the church. It's easier to attack the pastor. It's easier to attack Darlene Check, who's speaking at the, the, the Cherished Women's Conference. She wrote the song, uh, Shout to the Lord. Shout to the Lord for the first time in Christendom history. It was the first time that the song Amazing Grace was eclipsed, that more people had downloaded and more people were singing Shout to the Lord than Amazing Grace. This beautiful woman wrote that song. Uh, Michael W. Smith once off offered her 
where she would have made millions to do a, an album recording with Michael W. Smith in the 90s where he was the number one Christian recording artist in America. They were going to do a, a Shout to the Lord, Darlene Check, Michael W. Smith combined. They, they already, the distrib, distrib, distributors had set their, their contracts where Darlene Check would have made anywhere between three and eight million dollars for one weekend of recording these Christian songs. But Pastor Brian Houston, her senior pastor, was invited to go to preach in Asia that weekend. So she called Michael W. Smith and said, I can't come. You've got to cancel it. And he's like, ha, ha, ha. Very she's like, no, I'm serious. I can't come because whenever my senior pastor's away, I need to be there. Because we make sure that church is strong when the senior pastor, he's like, it's just church. And she goes, no, no, sweetheart, it's not just church. Your gift exists for the church. The church does not exist exists for your gift. You support the church. The church doesn't support. And he's like, but, but, but you, 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 you're going to turn down three to eight million? And she says, you didn't hear me. Like, my senior pastor's away. I'm the worship leader. I've got to make sure church is strong on that Sunday. What an extraordinary woman. What a, no wonder God has so blessed her. She was, she was flying, doing a whole bunch of uh, worship tours and worship things. And because of how much she, f- she flies, she got upgraded to business class, which kind of helps her because when she lands, literally, she lands, you know, after flying all through the night on red eye and literally has to go straight into teaching or ministry. She's sitting there in business class. Well, a lady walks past and recognized Darlene. She walks past, she goes, business class, business class, that's it. I'm never buying another Hillsong album. That's called a spirit of Cain, spirit of Cain, because she's envious of blessing. The truth is, do you really think that God is a respecter of persons? Do you really think that what God has done for Darlene, he can't do for you? If you're willing to pay the same price, you can have the same fruit. Never judge someone by their harvest. Always judge someone by the seeds that they sow. You don't know the seeds they sow. The Bible says that those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. We get envious. We get envious when we see people reaping in, in joy. And, and I don't know what it is about me, but, but there's something broken in me, that sinful nature, that flesh that rejoices with people who weep. And I weep when people rejoice. And it's meant to be the other way around. Jesus says, rejoice with those who rejoice. But I'll hear a report, someone saying, hey, did you hear about this pastor? Yeah, they just lost 500 people from their church. And something on the other side of me is like, wow, you, didn't, you must be so much better. I'm like, shut up. Like even yesterday, I've got, I've got um, the TSA pre-approved because I travel so much. So you go to TSA, they, it's a pre-check thing and the line's shorter, the security's quicker. Well, there's always people that just see the shorter line and go for it. They don't read there's TSA pre-approved. And so unfortunately, there's always people that, you know, when they get, oh, you're not TSA pre-approved and they, got to, they get, and it's the walk of shame. And there was this, this lady, and, and I see, and you know, she kind of ran in front of me. I thought, okay, well, it doesn't matter. And then she gets to the front, and the guy goes, oh, you don't have TSA pre-approved. You need to go to that line. And so she kind of has to pick her phone and you know, everything up and, and pick up her bags. It's like a walk of shame. And as she walks past me, my, my spirit's like almost rejoicing. Like, huh? Yeah. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? I should be weeping with those. It's called the spirit of Cain. Don't operate in it, because you know what? God said to Cain, if you do what is right, will you not also be accepted? See, that woman that, that, that had that, that terrible spirit operating in her about Darlene Check would be back there brooding and stewing in, I'm never buying a Hillsong area. But that spirit will always lead to poverty. If you look at, look at Cain, that spirit didn't help him. That spirit drove him out of 
paradise. It made life seven times harder for him. So that he was a vagabond wandering the earth, never prospering, never flourishing. You don't want a spirit of Cain. Listen, you don't want a spirit of Cain. So here in this church, you'll hear, like even in our testimony, that these people, you know, they came in 18 months ago, poverty, drug rehab, and now they bought a house. And it just blows their mind. It blows their mind. And you may look at that and say, oh, you know, it's C3 church. They're so materialistic. Well, we actually honestly believe that in this life and in this world, God wants to bless you. That the blessing of God can be seen right here, right now, not just heaven. We actually, C.S. Lewis said this, if you aim at earth, you miss out on earth and heaven. But if you aim at heaven, you get earth thrown in. If you aim at earth, you miss out on both earth and heaven. But if you aim at heaven, you get earth thrown in. God wants to bless you. Now listen, when you see other people blessed, you don't need to operate in a spirit of Cain. You can actually say, man, if God will do it for them, he'll do it for me. You can actually even say to them, hey, talk, t- tell me, man, you just got a, a raise and a promotion. Man, you, just, you guys just bought a home. Tell me how you did that. You'll find there's a story. Man, well, you're not going to believe what happened. God, you don't need to, you don't need to, to be envious when other people are blessed because God is no respecter of persons. How do I know that? Because the day that I left being a mechanical engineer to go to Bible school, my father stood in my driveway, put his hand on the hood of my car, was yelling and screaming. He was so angry, so ashamed that his German son was leaving engineering, the Germans engineering, Audi, Volkswagen, Porsche, BMW, Mercedes. Why are you leaving engineering? He was so mad. He said to me, not one cent. You will not get one cent of support. And absolutely true to his word, he never gave me one cent of support ever. I'm driving up to Bible college. My dad has just told me not one cent of support. And in Australia, they said that the average youth pastor wage was about $24,000. And I thought, well, I'll never own a home. The price of homes and the I guess I'll never. And so I just thought I still want to serve Jesus, even if it means I'll never own a home, even if it means. But what I didn't realize, David wrote in the Psalms that if if my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. I've got to tell you, the blessing of God on following His principles, on obeying Him. I didn't have to come from the right family. I didn't have to have the right pedigree or the right background or the right circumstances. No man had to help me. The same God who raised up David from the sheepfolds is the same God that has been with me, blessing me. And this is what I know about God. If he does it for me, he'll do it for you. The the lesson that we learn from the spirit of Cain is you don't need to be envious and keep doing the wrong thing. Learn from Abel, who put God first. When you put God first, you'll see God's blessing come upon your life. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all the things that Gentiles seek after will be added to you. I've never had to pursue those things. They've just been added. They've just been added. They've just been added. You can live a life putting God first where God just, man, best marriage. I'm telling you, I'm not smart enough to pick my Leanne. Now, you may say, well, I've seen her. She's cute. Yeah, but I I would have been intimidated. There's no way she's so pretty. No way I would have asked her out. But God spoke to me in in a vision. said, this is the one that you're going to marry. I'm like, dear Jesus, I don't even know her. Never talked to her. I'm thinking, that's the weirdest picture. I'm not smart enough to do the things that I've done. All I knew is when I was 18 on a beach, I put Jesus first. 
And he's added the most beautiful wife, the most beautiful children, the most amazing friends, most amazing camp. We weren't looking for a campus in Salt Lake, but I got to tell you, I love Salt Lake City. I love this city. I love these people. I love what God is doing and about to do. Little sneaky, yesterday, Vince and I were looking at uh, a possible permanent location. They're, they're open to a lease to purchase. In fact, not just, not just, the, not just that building, but the entire strip malls for sale. We, we may buy the entire thing and get everyone else to pay the rent so that we get it for free. Come on, how many people know that would be like God? Can I tell you, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to figure all that out. I'm not clever enough. All I know is if I just keep seeking first the kingdom of God, these things will be added. So my question to you as we close is where is God in your life? Is he pushed out? Is he left on the silent? Did, did, you, did you leave him when you turned 13? Did you, did you leave him? Did you quit on him when you went to college because he wasn't popular? Did you lose him in high school? Hey, it's easy to lose God. Talk to Mary and Joseph. They lost Jesus when he was 12. In all kinds of religious celebrating, they lost Jesus. So if mama and papa, Mary and Joseph can lose Jesus, it's easy for you and I in this world to lose Jesus. But what I love about C3 Salt Lake is every week you and I get a chance to connect or reconnect or if something's bumped him off, First, but put him first again. Seek first the kingdom of God. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered to Jesus. Or maybe you're here today and you realize he's not first. Would you let me say a prayer for you? We are over time, but I want to just take 30 seconds and pray for those people. Maybe you lost Jesus at college or you lost Jesus in high school. Or, or maybe you went through a painful experience and you've walked away from Jesus. Friend, come back. Maybe you're here and you're afraid because you've been hurt, your daddy walked out or your husband or your spouse left you and there's a wound and you're like, man, I made inner vows that I will never trust anybody again. Now you're asking me to trust an invisible God. Friend, I tell you, I did it 33 years ago on a beach. I trusted a God I could not see. And I'm going to tell you, 33 years later, He is faithful, faithful, faithful. His name is unshaken. If you're here in you're any one of those categories of people. Would you let me say a prayer for you? Maybe you need to come back to God. Maybe you need to surrender to God. Maybe you just need to put God first. Maybe you need to, to rediscover Him again. If that's you, would you quickly raise your hand? I'll see your hand, and I'm going to say a prayer for you as I close. Thank you in there, young man. Thank you, sweetie. I see your hand. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. Thank you down here. Thank you down here. Who else? Thank you up there. Thank you up there. Thank you. Thank you over there, sweetheart. I see your hand. Thank you, darling. I see your hand. Who else is there? Is there one more? Is there one more? Thank you, young man. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you. Anybody else? Quickly. Lift it high. Lift it high. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Man, so many hands were raised. Can we all say these words with our head bowed and our eyes closed? Say these words out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today. You so love me that you sent Jesus your only son, on a rescue mission to save my soul. Jesus, thank you that when you died on the cross, you washed away all my sin so that today I am forgiven. I am clean. I am a child of God. Heavenly Father, today I choose 
to put you first in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we give all of those that raise their hands a great round of applause? Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Salt Lake City, go to c3saltlakecity.com. Thank you.